everyone, and welcome to the Classic Pinball Podcast. My name is David, also known as Dr. Dave. And today we have a special guest segment featuring Scott and his 11-year-old son, Griffin, who seems to be our youngest fan. Scott reached out to me several months back saying he and his son love our podcast and are big fans of my Dr. Dave's Pinball Restorations YouTube channel. Griffin has watched most of my restoration vids and listened to many of our podcasts. Scott and Griffin have grown a collection of four pinball machines that they love playing and working on together. Griffin knows the dates of manufacturer, titles, and artists rivaling pinball fans many years his senior. They, like me, enjoy bringing these old school classics back to like new condition before they play their machines. It is great to see a new generation breathing life into our beloved mechanical marbles. Today we have special guests up in from northern New York, Scott and Griffin, who have been uh, pinball fans for a while. They have a nice little collection and they work on the games themselves as a father-son team. They've been listening to the, the podcast and they're fans of my uh, Dr. Dave Pinball Restorations YouTube videos they have out there. They reached out to me a little while back because they had a, an Atari uh, Space Riders game and we started chatting about that. So welcome guys. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. So, uh, so Scott, you were saying about how you got started in this. Uh, you had a, a Flight 2000 and what other games? I had a Flight 2000. I had a Firepower. I had an Alien Star, which was uh, one of my hot lists picks. Uh, that was tough to find, but it suddenly appeared and I drove like about 600 miles to get it. Wow. But, nice. uh, but the first three were the, uh, the Embryon, because I always liked a wide body. Uh, the Flight 2000 from Stern and the Alien Star is where I started way back when. This is 20 plus years ago. Alien Star, fun game. Never owned it, but a friend of mine did. And uh, that's that's a nice little table. I, I like all of it. I like I have a Flight 2000 myself. It's a, it's a great game. Uh, all the Stern I talk. I think the, uh, the clear posts in that really made it for me. I had, I had lighted some of those from underneath just uh, as a mod. And wow, yeah. the machine really popped. But the clear posts really made it and it had a really nice sound package for at the time you know pinball was sort sort of kind of phasing out and you know they were trying to save a few bucks here and there but it still was uh, was was really fun to play that's the alien star right yes yeah i uh there's a guy i think uh steve charland was the guy's name uh he passed recently but he was a big gottlieb guru of that kind of generation of games. And I met him out in, um, in California, Pacific Pinball Expo years ago. And he had an alien star out there along with some other Gottliebs in a lineup. And it's really, if you uh, check out online sometime, Pacific Pinball Expo from a couple years ago, they did a nice setup of, I think a couple hundred games and in a big, huge room with like, the lighting was just uh, Christmas tree lights hanging down. So nice atmosphere. Uh, but he had an alien star, speaking of lighted posts, he had an alien star with, uh, with lighted post LED underneath the posts. And they would, anytime the kicker would kick, it would make them kind of flash. They'd, so they'd be yeah. on and then they'd flash like even, so almost like a lightning strike every time a kicker would kick. So it's a nice little mod he did. It's amazing you mentioned Steve Charlin and I'm so sorry to hear that he had passed. Is that alien star, someone had given me a phone number from a guy in California. It just was said Steve on it, just from, you know, the, the internet and just people that I talked to, he actually helped me find out why the far right drain out lane lamp would not light. 
And it turned wow. out, and, and I didn't know Gottlieb very well. And I called him and that was Steve Charlin. And he helped me diagnose it. I pulled the back open. He said, tell me, this is how awesome this guy was. Tell me what's in, oh, I don't know, transistor Q14. And I said, it's empty. He goes, ah, somebody desoldered it and cannibalized it and put it somewhere else. They needed a <laughs> resistor and they took it out of there. And yeah. he said, go get yourself a four cent resistor. I soldered it in there and it worked. And, and it was Steve. Steve good guy. Sweet. Yeah, really good guy. A lot of good, a lot of good guys in the pinball biz and the pinball hobby. Yeah, a lot of good guys. Well, people help each other a lot. You know, we uh, share the wealth with ideas and how to fix things and uh, best practices and so forth. And uh, it's been, I've, I've learned a lot over the past 30 years doing it and I'm constantly learning and improving my, you know, what I do. Um, but yeah, Steve, great guy. I talked to him for a while, way back when. Um, so right, I was looking at your, uh, at the Space Riders pin because I, because typically the, the um, Atari pins from that time frame, you know, Superman was the, the go-to game. Everyone loves Superman. And I, I have one, actually I have a couple of them. But the, uh, the other ones got, I don't know, kind of poo-pooed. They didn't really care for them. They didn't really do that well in location. They didn't really, I, I don't know what happened to them. They didn't, maybe didn't last that well, the boards or whatever. But, uh, and that's why a lot of them are in great shape. And I was looking up your Space Riders and it looked like uh, it has quite a following. A lot of people like that game. The, um, the guy that designed it, um, I don't know if you have him off, offhand here, the guy's name, but he did uh, Neutron Star. He also did, uh, which is a great, they only made, I think, one of those. Yeah, and it's a regular size uh, pin, not a wide body. I actually got to play it out in California. And it was a fun game, it was a Whitewood. Um, the other rare one is uh, uh, the Roadrunner, you know, like uh, Bugs yeah. Bunny Roadrunner. Yeah, that's a fun. I played that one too. That's a blast to play. If you go around the outer end, you go beep beep, you know, just from the Roadrunner. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he that that guy who made Space Riders made a lot of cool games. I think Middle Earth, Neutron Star, maybe one other one. But uh, but Space Riders, it looks like a fun table. It's it's a great game, and um, Griffin actually was looking at some of the books that I have. And uh, we found out that George Opperman, who's the artist that was really yes. hired by Atari to do almost everything from video games to, you know, their cabinet artwork and that kind of thing. Um, he's a big, Griffin is a huge fan of that artwork. He's, he's got a cool. couple of favorites, but that's what really caught my eye when, when I was looking is that it is not a fast table by any means. It's got right. a lot of real estate. It's a wide body. The graphics are fantastic. Yes. From, from what I understand, the people that put it together were outstanding, heavily technical people. Right. And they didn't really have a Steve Ritchie kind of guy coming in all the time going, all right, well, here's what you need to do with the shot. So the ball kind of plods along, but I, it's a piece of art. And it's I'm stunned that we got it working because there's very few people that are around still that, that know this, this pin or, and, and the circuitry. And you found some guys out in California who knew about uh, Atari pins and because that's where the game from anyways, from California. So, so you found some people that could help you with it, with uh, fixing the board and what chips you needed and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Actually, the, the gentleman that I bought it from, his name was Steve Arpino. He lives just outside of Syracuse. He's a uh, pretty well known in the Northeast for, for pinball. And he, um, he said, you know, I got a couple of names 
you might want to try a few. So the gentleman's name was Mike Thomas. He lives in Southern California. I called him and he was gracious enough to lend his time most of the summer, most of August. I had him on the hook for this and that and emails and all of this. And he taught me a lot about um, troubleshooting IC chips on a board with just a simple multimeter. Didn't have a logic probe, any of that. Wow. Stuff, but wow. Managed to find six or seven bad ones. And I'll tell you, after replacing those, it, it lit up like 80% of it came back. And then a few odds and ends later, it's uh, it's running. We had to clean the display glass and the contacts there. But uh, it's unbelievable. It's 100% now. Wow. So, and those board edge connectors just kind of clean those up a little bit with a fiberglass pen or something like that, or would you do with the board edge connectors? Are they a problem at all? Or yeah, they they I needed to buff them a little bit, but uh, yeah. Griffin helped me with with the uh, the sandpaper a little bit, a very mild sandpaper. I also <clears throat> retinned every one of them, which helped uh, helped it give a, a little more bite on the contact board that would connect to it. We're gonna talk about the rule sets, how the game works. So first up, we have bike. B-I-K-E, you could spell it, and you get 1,000 points. So why don't we fire up a game? Do you have one of those quarters? Mm-hmm. And we'll just see how it works. Upon starting a game, you get first up, show zero. There are four players, and it should show ball one, credit zero. So we have no credits other than the quarter we put in. So the ball is loaded. It gets fired, and okay, now we're at the top. So when you come in to the, I guess, play field, you got B-I-K-E, bike. And when you spell bike, that gives you two times your bonus. So the end of ball bonus is now doubled. So all score is doubled. Okay, great. What about the top rollovers there? Those are star rollovers. They give you 50 points and 500 points when lit. So 500 and 500. So now we're at 6,000. And every time you hit one after that, it's 50 cents. Mm -hmm. Or 50 cents. 50 cents. Moving down, we have more star rollovers. 50 points, 500 when lit. We also have two holes on the sides. So... How do you get an extra ball? So let's move down here. This is actually how you get it. So these are left saucer, right saucer. They're worth 5,000 when the ball hits it. However, they could be worth extra ball or special depending on what you do with the drop target. So explain how that works. So we have three sections. We have three messenger balls with three guard targets. So when you hit one, there will be a, a place where a, the ball can hit the rubber, and there's a stand-up target in there with a red light. When you hit that... So go ahead and hit that. All right, so now the red light went off, so it's getting ready. Mm -hmm. And then if you do it here, let's do it again, and just give it a tap there. You could use your finger again. And then we did this one, so let's do that one. And then... Okay, so all three of those are down, and now we have a special that's lit. Also, when you hit the kickers, oh, yes. switch to each side. So go ahead and do that. It should kick. And it keeps going back and forth. And then when you get the ball, you get an extra ball. 
actually, this wasn't an extra ball. That gave you 100,000 because the special is set for 100,000. All right, so this is how we get an extra ball. We hit all three drop targets. That light's extra ball. Excellent. Same player shoots again. So if that's the extra ball, how do we get special? And what is the special? So we do the same thing. We hit all three drop targets. Now you send all three messenger balls up. So not only do we have to hit all the targets down in the same ball, but we have to hit all three messenger balls to get special. Yes. And what does special give us? It will give us 100,000 points. Let's see. I'll be darned. It does. Okay. So, excellent. Let's keep going. What else do we have? Well, we have two spinners on the side that give you 1,000 when lit. And we light those by just hitting the target next to it, I believe. Yep. If you hit this, this, that lights up. And those are all worth a thousand as well. Nice. Moving down, we have the score area with all your score. End of ball bonus. Mm -hmm. There's the double, and that you get from spelling either bike or city. Got if you do bike and city, it's triple, mm -hmm. and this counts three times three. Here, let's do bike. That okay. light's double. Let's do city. So 3x. Wow. So at the end of the ball, when the ball drains. And there's a special we got from earlier. Nice. Wow. Okay. That's pretty simple. Yeah, that's essentially the gameplay. Pretty simple, but very colorful. I want to hear what uh, Griffin's take is on all this. So what... Uh... What, what floats your boat in the pinball world, Griffin? How did you, um, that your dad got you into this and now you have certain favorites that you like and I guess you like the art of the Atari pin? Yeah. Well, what really got me into pinball was uh, just watching them being played by other people on YouTube. And it just really got me into the feeling to start playing. I like the lights and how the play field was designed. Okay. What uh, what were you watching at first? What kind of uh, what what kind of games are you watching on on YouTube? Well, I go from sixties to eighties, from machines like Dancing Dolls from nineteen sixty wow. to Gottlieb's Black Hole in nineteen eighty one. Yep. Nice. So, was your father influenced on on the old school like that versus like? Because usually a lot of younger people like the new school stuff with all the ramps and lights and all that stuff. Was your father kind of influenced on, on the old school artwork or is that kind of just you found it? Um, I think he's kind of in the middle of okay. the 60s and 80s. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I was surprised um, that Griffin is a really big fan of the EMs. Mm -hmm. he, yeah. He, he likes that 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 buzz of the, of the coil. He likes um, uh, the sound, the reset that score motor he he can mimic it just with his just singing it yeah he can he can click it out with a pencil tapping it on the table. that's great it's called the em uh em dance 
you know, and it's, it's, it's great because you actually can, when you, when you have the hands on the game, you actually can feel the game actually doing things, you know, in fact, uh, there's a little factoid here. When they went from EM to solid state in the mid seventies, they were afraid the manufacturers that people would not want to adopt into the solid state thing. And it would, there's not as much moving stuff going on like an EM. So they put stepper units inside the first solid state games that would actually just work in conjunction to make those sounds inside the game. So people would feel they'd bridge over to the new technology. Wow. Didn't know that. Nope. Any, any titles we could, I'd like to read on that. Uh, I don't know. I'm like, gonna... like early on, like a hot tip type of thing when they first. Yeah. Like, started. yeah. Like hot tip. Exactly. Like the first, say like the first Williams game, probably like, yeah, probably Williams games, I think did it. That, that's you're probably right. Um, any kind of game. Um, I think Williams and Gottlieb did it. I'm not sure if Bally did it, but I know Williams and Gottlieb did, but I'm not sure which title it was. I just know I read about it. Um, but hot tip could be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Gr Griffin is, um, is a big EM fan. I kind of like the early eighties, uh, mm. because that's where, when I was a teenager, uh, firepower and all of those were at the bowling alley, flash Gorgar. Yep. Everybody flipped when Gorgar could say seven words and you oh, know, yeah. it, was all, it was all new. Now it's like, Oh my God, this is so archaic, but uh, right. there's still so much fun to play. Did you see the latest podcast I had on Gorgar where I had the one that didn't speak at all? I mean, uh, was a po yeah, podcast. It was either a podcast or maybe I did it. No, I did the podcast and I did a YouTube video on it. No, we didn't see it yet. Okay. So this one here, I, I had a Gorgar uh, to restore for a person out in Western Mass. And uh, he had it since a, a kid. And I, when I had it all good to go and done, the um, it didn't have any... Uh, any voice and come to find out that the voice was an option back in the day. I think it was 70 bucks or something like that under hundred dollars for the option. And the person who bought the game decided they didn't need the voice. So this game didn't talk Agora didn't talk, which is, I've never seen that before. So it was an option that didn't go for, but, uh, but he was happy with that with, you know, a non-talking Gorgar, but uh, yeah, I've had a couple Gorgars in here. I've restored maybe four or five of them now popular game wonder if it has any collectability value everybody kind of likes a one-off or something different i don't know i don't know uh maybe a little bit but i think people still want gorgar to talk you know in general but i, I yeah. don't really there's not, there's, there's not many gorgars that that are like this even the the brackets for the board for the soundboard is made for the an old school previous generation soundboard with no talking so you have to get if you want to you can convert this game to a talker but you need the brackets and something else to, to make it happen. You could buy a board for it or a couple boards for it, but uh, it would take a little bit of doing to get it done. And I guess you guys have a, uh, you have a blackout as well. You just picked up a Williams blackout. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Yep. 1980 uh, condition red, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we don't have any sound yet, so we're not sure what can the condition right now is. Oh, <laughs> I guess it is condition red then at this point. It is condition red right now, so we're working on it. Yeah, all the uh, boards work except for the sound board. Okay, so the whole game plays and everything, just no yeah. sound. Okay, that's good. Once the uh, after when you turn it on cold, we get about two or three digits and a few flickering. 
10 minutes later, another digit comes up and then within 30 minutes, all the plasma displays are lit and everything scores fine and everything works. And the only thing we is we don't have sound yet. So we're, I'm contemplating whether just to throw this thing as far as I can and watch it explode mm. the soundboard <laughs> yep. or, you know, keep shooting the parts cannon at it or what, you know? Well, they, they do make um, a, a combo soundboard for that uh, aftermarket that you can get for I think a couple hundred bucks. If you ever wanted to, you could just get that, throw it in to be done or, or yeah, you keep, keep packing at it too. I think it's um, pinball PCB has them for a buck and a quarter. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So that's an option. But that's a fun game. I own that game too. I picked it up a while ago. Your yep. yours is fully functional? Uh I picked it up sort of working, but uh I haven't gone through it yet. So I know it it it, it works very well. The sound works very well on it. Um but I haven't done any with it because I, I have so many games on my own to do. And I have I'm like the carpenter whose house is falling apart, but the customers' houses are, are awesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, a, Dave. Yeah. Do you know how to fix cupped inserts on the playfield? That's that's a tough one. Um, yeah, there's two ways you can go about it, especially if there's no writing on them. You can uh, you can take them out. You can basically can heat up from the backside a little bit and kind of tap them out with a wooden dowel. And then you take them uh, with some really fine sandpaper, wet sand them down and you get them flat, which I've done that. You get a, you know, sand, sand and get them nice and smooth and shiny again. Then you put them back in with some, uh, some white uh, Elmer's glue uh, Then you can level them. Or the other method, which is a lot easier these days, which is what I've been doing, especially um, people on a budget that don't want to get a whole clear coat job and everything else. I do a play field protector. So have you guys heard of that play field protector? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the, the good thing about that is that when you, when you clean the play field, the magic racer and so forth, and you touch up the play field um, and you put this protector down, it protects all your touch-ups and it serves to even out all the cupped inserts. So it looks like a nice smooth sheet of glass on there, takes care to give it as cupped inserts and you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's what about raised inserts? I got a couple of raised inserts. I actually popped them out and I heated them up, put them back in. And they're still, I think the, the plastic expanded. They're, they're green arrows. Yeah, and all the time. Yep. Williams, I, Williams green arrows. Yep. Yep. They're curved. They're almost like they're curved. The, the back end of the arrow is up and the tip is up. And I'm like, how did this happen? Yeah, it's, it's by the, they made those, uh, they brought out the play field so tight and they pounded them in that wood over time gets water in it and so forth and humidity and it kind of shrinks down and kind of pops them up and so if you can pound them back in but they're going to pop up again so what i'll do with that is i'll either get i'll get brand new inserts if i want to but the brand new inserts are a little different they have ribs in them so it's a different look or if you want to go keep the old stuff i pop them out um i'll sand them down like wet sand them down so that there's you know get rid of the cup. Um, and then I will take, um, uh, a lot of times I'll actually take to the outside of that insert, I'll sand that down as well. I'll actually go to my bench grinder and grind down around a little bit, a little bit of time and try it, grind it, try it, grind it until I get it. So it fits in just right. Um, and not too tight. And then it'll go in 
glue it in, it won't pop up again. But you have to get rid of some of the material, either on the wood side or the plastic side. Yeah, I tried that. Unfortunately, I glued them back in and they came back up. So now if I try to pop them up, they're just going to break. So I think I'm going to What kind of glue do you use? Uh, Elmer's wood glue. Okay. Yeah, it's a little... That's a little, I mean, it works, but it's a little strong. So if you make a mistake, like you said, it's going to have a hard time pop. That's why I use the white glue. Because I just yeah. need it to be glued in good enough and not, I don't need something so solid that, a, you know, gorilla can hit, it's not going to move, you know. So I learned my lesson on that because over the years, I was using two-part epoxy to glue stuff in. That was dumb because it has some kind of, um, I want to say hydrophobic is the word, something with hydro in it. But basically what it is, it uh, over, after when it, when it hardens up, it winds up lifting up the insert when it hardens up with a two-part epoxy, I found. So now I don't use that anymore. I use the white uh, white glue. Gotcha. You know, a little tidbit. So, Good question. Yeah. Do you guys, um, do you guys like playing them more or working on them more or both? I think both. Okay. So do you find when you get a, a game in, do you like to... Uh, get it all restored up first and then play it or do you just play it right away and, and then uh, fix it after a while after you play it? Well, the thing is when it's in really bad shape, we cannot play it. We just, it just, it just, it just doesn't look too good at all. And we just, we don't want to play it until it's a hundred percent working. Yep. Right, right on. That's what I do. <laughs> the same thing. So I have so many games that are waiting to be done, but I don't like to, I don't enjoy them unless they're playing right, you know, mm -hmm. yep, same way, right? Yeah, because I, I, you're not really getting the full experience of the game. And this is what happens a lot of times when you go to show, pinball shows, uh, they'll, they'll put a game up there to get in free to the show and it kind of works. And it's an older game, say an EM, and it plays dog slow and it's tired and the flippers are worn out. And, and people that play these games, they don't get a good impression of what an EM game can be. So uh, that's why I like to, you know, as you, you know, get them all working well and they play strong and well. And EM game is a fantastic game to play, but it's all strong and working well, as you know. Yep. That's, uh, that's, that's a big thing with us. We really like to finish it off and then enjoy it. Because like you said, things are, well, things need to be repaired. And if you let them go, then you end up with more repairs later. And especially play field, you want to make sure that that's sealed and Know, touched up and, and if it's got wear spots they're just going to get worse if you don't correct ball hop and things like that so yep, yep. griffin will not let me plug anything in until it's perfect not yeah good so so it's, griffin are you do you um it's not like you have kind of an engineering mind do you like math and science and that kind of thing or what uh I, well i do like science mm -hmm. okay so sort of like a, uh, how things work and that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes He's good sense. at playfield plastics. He can, he can buff and clean a playfield plastic like nobody's business. Oh yeah. <laughs> what do you use? He's a, he's a big Novus two fan. Oh, me too. Novus two does it all. I get it by the gallon. <laughs> we, were, we were scraping the last remnants of a six year old bottle. And I said, all right, this is ridiculous. So yep. we, we had a, a recent order and I said, all right, let's just add this. It's like $5. Let's just go get one. Yeah. I, I go through it like, like water. I, uh, it, great for play fields, cabinets, plastics, everything. 
it's great stuff. Mm -hmm. The Novus three, Novus one, not so much, but uh, Novus two, that does it all. That little red bottle. Yep, little red bottle. So tell me more about uh, about the the games that uh, the games you own and what what are your favorites out of them? Griffin. There you go. Um, it's hard to decide. They're all fun. I think the winner will be Blackout because it does play, and I think I'm gonna have a a, a, fun, a lot of fun with it. Gonna enjoy it a lot, and I think it's gonna be it's gonna beat all of them. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of, I consider that game kind of a sister game to Firepower. It's a little Firepower-esque. Yeah, Blackout was made right after Firepower. Yep. And their uh, cabinet artwork is very similar, too. Yeah, the original colors were just like black, yellow, and red. Yep. And what I like about uh, Firepower and Blackout is that they both have lane change. Yeah, yep. Where we hit the right flipper and it changes the lights and you have to try to lit light them and then you get like two or three four x okay yeah williams decided i think williams came up with that first and uh mm -hmm. gorgar never had that there's yeah. a hack that someone did on it that they actually made it you can make gorgar into a lane change game but uh i've never done it. i read about it though but uh yeah they came up with that first the lane change yeah that's neat Great game, great colors on on blackout. I can't wait to do mine at some point. Yeah. So what? So what are the games? You got a fun Funland or Fun Park? You said. Yeah, we we have a nineteen seventy nine Bally Paragon. Yeah, great game. And a nineteen sixty eight Gottlieb Funland. Mm -hmm. And a nineteen seventy eight Atari Space Riders, and now a Williams Blackout nineteen eighty. Are you guys running out of room yet, or you, you get to add more? Um, yes, we are. Running out of room? Yeah, Griffin's not running out of room, but <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's encroaching. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah, over here I have them uh, all in my workshop in my uh, in my heated basement, and I get them up in my game room here, and uh, I got some across the street in heated storage as well. So. Uh, Busting at the seams, trying to keep them out of the kitchen and living room as best I can, but uh, you know. <laughs> well, it's it's tough to make pasta and play pinball in the kitchen at the same yeah, time. It is, yeah. <laughs> A friend of mine years ago, he actually had, I think he got rid of his kitchen table to put three pinball machines in the kitchen. Wow. <laughs> There's a fan. Oh yeah, he's a fan. Yeah, he was not married at the time and was, you know, had his own apartment, so he could do what he wanted. So that's what he did. I think he yeah, then he yeah. put I think then he put two other machines in the living room as well in a small apartment up in Maine. Griffin was telling me before we joined you uh, what his top three games were. Maybe yeah. he could share those of all time. Sure. What are they, Griffin? Well, my number one is a 1974 Gottlieb Big Shot. No, no. What, what's that uh, game do for you? How come you like that game so much? Because on each side, there are drop targets on the left and right side on the upper play field. And I do like how there's a hole in the middle with an, it's an eight ball. And then on the sides, it like, it allows you to have an extra ball. That little uh, metal thing that allows it to go 
back to the launch gate. Yeah, the gate. Oh, the gate to, uh, it goes back to the yeah. shooter lane? Yes, yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cool. Nice. My second favorite game is Gottlieb's 1975 Eldorado. Okay, fun game. Lots of targets in that game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big drop target fan. Yeah, yeah. Drop targets are great. Have you have you done, uh, have you guys rebuilt any Gottlieb drop targets yet? Assemblies? No. No. Okay, that's a whole whole other animal. But uh, the first time I did one of those, it took like four hours to do it. Um, then I'm not it down to like maybe half hour to an hour. But uh, wow, yeah, yeah, be, yeah. There's, there's videos online about it, but uh, there's like two springs involved, and you got to kind of take it apart partially to get to them. So it's quite the uh, engineering marvel on the Gottlieb stuff. The Bally stuff and the, and the William stuff is well, William stuff's tough too. Bally and Stern are the easiest. And my third favorite game is uh, Firepower by Williams. Okay. So you've played all these games or you just, you've seen them on YouTube? I've seen all of them and I would love to play them. Okay. What the cool thing about Firepower is that you got multi-ball and you try to get the ball up the spinner into the hole at the top. Okay, yep. Yep. I like their, their, um, I heard, um, on some, on YouTube that when Williams tried drop targets on the play field, the, the flipper was hitting it so hard that it, it almost broke. So they decided to do stand up targets. Yeah. That's, there's different theories. That's one theory. The other theory is that, uh, Williams wanted to cheap out and drop targets and were too expensive. And they said, we have enough money in here doing uh, the uh, voice and sound package for this thing, you know, but, but you're, but what you read too is also possible as well. Cause yeah, the strong flippers would kind of mm -hmm. break those drop targets. Yep. And also that you can do a drop target mod on firepower. Correct. Yep. You can add I'm drop gonna... targets. Yeah. <laughs> you guys gonna you, you guys gonna try that if you get a firepower are you gonna try doing that mod no we yeah. like we like things original he he likes original stuff absolutely yeah. okay yeah me too what do you what do you feel how do you feel about putting leds in an older game it would look it depends it would it would look good or bad and i think in my opinion it looks bad on the newer games it looks fantastic but the yeah. older games i would like to just put normal uh lights in yep good you, you got a, you got an old school pinball soul there because uh I, I was the same way forever i still am this is all mine are all incandescent but i'm starting to warm up to um is, is a comet led they're called warm warm white leds and they're kind of mellow they're not too bright and i've been actually incorporating those in some of my restorations even on the older school not the ems though but like this generation here i'm starting to put them into the gi and the feature lights leaving them incandescent um it helps with uh, an engineering friend of mine told me with um the infrared light on an incandescent on the artwork on the back glass it actually can that, that's what actually fades the reds out not the heat it's the infrared and an led doesn't have that infrared so it actually can save your back glasses over time. 
So that's in the heat and the, the light and the infrared. So I said, okay, I'm kind of, I'm sort of warming up to them, so to speak. So here and there, I'm sort of using them. I'm using a tasteful LEDs here and there. But like, like you said, the modern games, like the new Sterns from the, from 2000 and whatever, even some of the nineties games, you can throw some LEDs in there and it, it looks pretty good. You know, yeah. I just don't like the super bright, you know, camera flash going off in your face LEDs that some people like this way too bright, you know, it yeah. dazzles too much. Yep. Yeah, we're with you. Actually, the blackout, we did orders from Comet not too long ago, and I put some under the play field and here and there. And there are some spots where you just have to have an incandescent bulb. It yes. will blind you. As soon as a yep. drop target goes down, suddenly you're blinded and they're way too bright. So I think strategically, they can look really good, especially behind the back glass where, you know, the artwork pops right. and, you know, the play field inserts is a good spot. I did notice I ordered some oranges, greens, reds to match the lenses. Yeah. It was not a good idea. Not good at all. It didn't yeah. matter. And I should have just gone, just the warm white is bright enough to really make the original color of the plastics pop. And that's all I do. I just do it. It's a one SMD, one, uh, <laughs> one mounted, mounted, I think single mounted diode, SMD, I think they call it. Um, but yeah, that's that keeps it down low, so it's not so bright. So I get the 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 one SMD warm white, and I also do the uh, the warm red same way, you know. Yeah, our Paragon downstairs in the basement does have LEDs too. And it came that way, or you put them in? We put them in. Okay, like the whole the thing. Uh, just the under the playfield, uh, okay. and there's a few in the back glass, but I had to. Uh, go to the old pin side folks, which have been you know, very, very helpful. And I had to uh, solder a quarter watt resistor on each bayonet so that they wouldn't start flickering. Right, yep. That's the thing too with the flickering thing because uh, I've seen that on some games that shows that they don't do that. You also can buy uh, uh, a, a redo uh, board, an Alltech lamp jar board, another lamp, modern lamp jar board will also take care of that as well. Um, or you can do the, your trick you did as well to it. I did see that board and I thought, well, you know what? I think we got a hundred resistors for $3, which there you go. <laughs> but then you got the, the work of putting them all in. What a pain, you know, you got to sand the, the, the outside skirt of the bayonet, make sure it's sticking right. in. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed doing it. That's cool. Good, good solder practice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. So do you, have you guys, uh, with the sockets on these older games, you kind of um, fixing up the socket to put a new light sockets in? Uh, we put new ones in. Okay. Yeah, depending, I'll actually use the, the old ones and just kind of, I can, I can fix them. And if they're still, if I fix them and they're solid, they don't have more flickering, I'll, I'll use it. I'll give it one try. If it doesn't fix it, it goes out and I put a new socket in. We do keep the old ones just in case. Good idea. The ones that are all floppy and all falling apart, uh, you should chuck those because they'll cause a short, which I had with a game. And all of a sudden the GI lighting, GI wires start heating up on you. It's like, and then you get to find out what's causing the heating up. It's because one of the uh, sockets is shorting typically. And that is the space riders. That was exactly what was happening. I mean, the whole, the whole footing just would fall out and would just be flopping in there. And there was no, no going back. It was like they're pressed with a machine. Yep. And over the years, they just pop out. And I had to replace probably 20% of the, uh, the under the play field lamp sockets. I had to, had to go. Yeah. 
Do you get them from Pinball Resource or somewhere else? Steve-O, Stevia, absolutely. Stevia. Yeah. There you go. You know, yep. And the guy is awesome. I've never yeah. seen a place where you get your stuff and then you pay for it. Yeah. That is fantastic. It's basically a handshake and I trust you till I don't. I love exactly. it. Exactly. And, so, and so if you ever, if you ever cross in the wrong way and you're jerked to him, he goes, okay, well, go somewhere else, <laughs> you know? But he's, he's a great yeah. guy. I've, I've been doing business with him forever. So, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of right up the street from here. I mean, I mean, he's he's four hours away. He's in lower New York State and near Poughkeepsie, I believe. Yeah. We could kind of drive there, but I never have, but he's been great. Anything we needed with the fun land, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a, he loves the old Gottliebs. Yeah, he, he could he could talk forever, but um, he, he knows his stuff without a, without a model number. It's fantastic. I do like uh, Gottlieb's black hole with the basement. Okay. Yep. I got a friend of mine, uh, John, who has a nice one. He's also a restoration guy. He, he has a nice uh, black hole. Fun game. Yeah, and also... The same manufacturer made um, Eclipse, same layout, but I think in the middle they have an extra bank of drop targets. Okay. No basement either. And the other game is Spirit too, right? You ever see yes. it here? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that was on my hit list, but I think most of them, they said, went to France. And there's something about, it's not even about the, the artwork or something, but the shots, they're so many cool things things that lift up and ramps and just all kinds of cool stuff but griffin has got his eye on one and as soon as i sell a kidney we can get one yeah no kidding I, there was one at a show recently a couple of years back in allentown and it was for sale there i, I never got to play it i should have played it because i never see these things and uh, it was a nice shape i think it was going for i, I want to say either seven thousand or nine thousand bucks or something like that it was you know good good coin but uh that's a, that's a steal now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's crazy. So what's on your next uh, acquire list? Anything you're looking to, uh, besides Spirit, of course? Um, I do like um, Stern's Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah, that's a fun game. Yeah, it's, it's from Stern, and we played it at the Strong Museum of Play. Now, where is this? What museum is this? Strong Museum of Play in the city of Rochester. Okay. So they, they have, have a lot of games there? Yeah, they do have a, an Atari Hercules and a Superman. Wow. Are they pretty decent condition? Not really. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get you get spoiled, if, you know, especially what you guys are doing and, and collectors in general that, you know, uh, that like things a certain way. When you go to play a game out, uh, you get spoiled by your stuff because your, your stuff's all tuned up nice versus on location game. It's hard to get that because they, they have so many people come in there playing stuff. It's hard to keep it up in uh, optimal shape. And it is in defense of the museum. They only have one guy that's responsible for all of these. They have a Yep. huge warehouse where they rotate them out. He's probably got 70, 80, 100 machines in the basement just waiting to rotate. But he's one person and, you know, there's lights out and dirty yeah. rubber and kickers that don't work. And, you know, you can't tap the score displays are out. So it's it's tough for one person to do it. Yeah, it's, it'd be a, a kind of a fool's errand because I, I people ask me over the years, you know, oh, should open for an arcade? And it's like, 
I don't know, I'll take something I love and I'll, I'll it just, I think it would wreck it for me because I, I wouldn't be able to keep up with all the people beating on the games and things breaking and so forth and having to re-restore things. And that's why I like, you know, with my collection, because I, I play them, I have some friends over once in a while, but they don't get tons and tons of plays. So whenever I fix them up nice, they stay nice. They don't really, they don't really need cleaning because they, they might get a, a hundred plays and, in six months, you know, they don't get a lot of, a lot of action. So right. it works out. In fact, I'm thinking of taking this hot dog and over here down tomorrow before the big snowstorm. Cause I wanted him up for, you know, winter time. I just, Paragon was sitting there before and uh, put him up for winter for the skiing thing. But I'm thinking now to put an EM up here. I haven't had an EM up in a while and I have a kingpin that I've restored with a playful hey, protector. I'm going to put him up, I think. Who makes kingpin, Griffin? I think it's a Gottlieb. That ding, ding, ding. You got it right. <laughs> what year? I think it's 60 something. 60 something? Yeah. Nope, 70 something. I think it's like 70, 73? Oh. Yeah, maybe 74, somewhere around there. Yep. Is that what the one with all the little buttons on the play field, the orange ones that look in the shape of a, a triangle? No, that, I think you're thinking of a, the, I think the Williams game is a Williams kingpin from the early '60s. It okay. looks like. Looks like okay, there you go. so that's that's a '60s. You read about that? That's a Williams. That's actually a fun game. It's called a uh, reverse wedge head, and yep, yeah. yeah, and uh, it almost looks like I don't know Fred Flintstone artwork on there. It has this like '50s kind of feel to it. Um, but yeah, this, this is a Gottlieb version. This is like a 73 Gottlieb kingpin bowling theme. It has like 10 drop targets at the very top of the game, four flippers, two little ones in the middle and regular flippers at the bottom. Uh, very challenging game. Uh, I have a question. What is your sure. opinion on Christian March's artwork? Christian March's artwork. Hmm. Well... I'm trying to actually, I've been more into like uh, Dave Christensen and, um, and that type. F refresh my memory on, on what, what he's done. What is, uh, what games has uh, he done? It, it's, it's funny, really. Um, in his artwork, he's, he has like pointy elbows. And pointy oh, the pointy things. elbows. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So the, right. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. So the Williams pointy elbows. Yeah. Uh, not a, not a huge fan of that. Not a huge fan of the pointy elbows. Yep. A lot of arguing over that thing. I, I used to I used to hate it like you did. Like, what is that? Yeah. And now I kinda I'm kinda like, you know what? Maybe the guy was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. And it's different. I mean, it's it's kind of cool to uh because I don't I don't have any in my collection. So if someone had them in their collection, I'd I'd play it as something different. You know, it's a different kind of art form. But uh it might be yeah. enough for someone to pass on buying one, I think. I see in the background there you have a Xenon. I love that game. Yeah, that's a that's a fun that's a fun player there. That's uh yeah, that's a that was one of my first ones I got. I think I paid 50 bucks for that game. Oh, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. Yep, those are the days. Probably in the late 90s, I think. Yeah, I got that, and she also had a Tempest, and I think Ooh. the Tempest—the the Tempest was fifty bucks as well. I said, "Okay, I take both of those." 
So, and they both were kind of working and it was a nice shape. So worked out well. Then you go over here, you got, these are the Fathom, eight yeah. ball Flash Gordon. Yeah, Fathom, I love Flash Gordon. Yeah, that, that's a great game. If you, get, if you get yourself a Flash Gordon, that's a very challenging game. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah, what I do realize about Paragon and Flash Gordon, they both have that like area where the drop targets go up. Like there's like one, two, three, four targets. In yeah, in lanes. In, in lanes. lines, yes. Yep. I like that too. That, I, that's think, so cool. uh, I think Bally uh, did that one first. I think Bally did Paragon had the first one of that design. That's right. That's correct. Yep. Bally was the first one with Paragon in that one. Yep, there were a lot of firsts in that game. I think actually Paragon and Flash Gordon are the, the two hardest Bally pinball machines to, to master. They're both very tough games. That's why I had them both up here for a while. But I've had Paragon for so long, it's like, oh, I got to change it up a little bit. But a lot of these are so nice. It's like, I hate to take any of these games down. I can only, in this room, I only have room for five games. So like, I don't want to take 8-Ball Deluxe down fathom or flash gordon so uh hot dog is gonna be the next one down it's hard to find a, a flash gordon playfield in nice condition they are they really they're beat to crap typically there's uh, mm -hmm. uh cpr does make them now they make uh reproduction playfields for it mm -hmm. have, you, have you seen those have you seen that place cpr yeah i have yeah are they out of canada they're out of canada Yep. Canada, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I probably bought like 20 playfields from them. I have so many. I get a stack of playfields of probably, I don't know, 20 or 25 playfields. Wow. That's really the way to go if you can swing it, is uh, just take everything off and put everything back on. Wow. Just save exactly. every kinds of time. What I find best is when you're going to do a swap. Like I, I just did the uh, Bobby Orr with the CPR playfields. I, I'll rebuild it on the old playfield, and when it's all rebuilt, I'll slide everything over to the new playfield and sock it all down. Then it's all nice and, and fresh. Hold on, I'm gonna show you something. That's a Superman <gasps> touched up clear coat of playfield. Oh, I was gonna say, is that a reproduction? I never saw one. No, this, this is original. I have three of these. I sent them out to my guy, uh, Bill Davis out west, and he does real nice work. He touches up airbrushes and puts an automotive clear coat on this thing. So it's going to be real nice uh, when I put it back in the game. That's fantastic. It looks beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. I can see myself in it from here. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's got quite the shine to it. But uh, We've yeah, had a couple fun. of brushes with uh, the clay fields. We did, uh, we did clear coat our Paragon. And, you know, it's a work in progress. They had some cupped inserts and I thought, well, you know, if I put enough layers on it, it will just fill up. And it did. However, it's just a bit hazy because you're only supposed to put two, three coats on. I did like seven. Right. Oh, but wow. it's evolved like glass now. I mean, it, it did clear out somewhat. We buffed it. And I got to tell you, when the lights are on and everything's running, you really can't tell too much. But um, that's really the way to go with a two-part clear versus a can. But I got to tell you, we, we stripped it down. He cataloged everything. Nice. Got it back together and fired right up. So, you know. So you actually did automotive clear on it? Is that what you did? Yeah, it's a one part. It was um, from U-Pole. It's just an aerosol clear. Um, okay. I prepped it real well, napped it down, cleaned it up, yep. and you know, got it all primped. And 
all the artwork touched up. And then uh, it worked very well. And it has, uh, it's like a rock hard, but the two part clears are, are like, a, you know, you ever go to a pub and you can see like the bar has actually got a coating on it. Right. That stuff is like, like a rock. That's really what you want is to have it, you know, just over the inserts where the ball can't touch anything. Yeah, the thing with the two parts, I don't like to mess with it myself because it's, it's, it's dangerous stuff. Like you have, you got to be have a whole bunny suit and a respirator, all that kind of stuff because it's not uh, yep. friendly, you know. No. But, you know, I'll, I'll use the, I'll use a Verithane sometimes, a Verithane clear. Um, it's like a, like for wood floors or whatever. It's water, water based or waterborne. You know, I was doing that for a while, but now I'm uh, now instead, um, the playfield protector for me is the way to go. Touch it up, playfield protector down. All set. Um, on your YouTube channel, Doctor Dave's Restorations. Yes. Um, I have a certain video that I really like. I think it's called Far Out, Pimal. Oh yeah, Far Out. Yep. I love that video. It's it's in my top fifty for sure. Wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> what What did you like about that one so much? What I do like is that there's drop targets on that one. And the artwork's like really futuristic, kind of. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And also, um, I did see your uh, um Atari Superman video. Okay, I got a couple of them out there. I think. I think I got maybe two or three. I forget how many. But uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, you like that one. Yeah, That's I think in your video, I'm not totally sure, but I think you said you were. It was for a customer, and you were about to ship it out somewhere. Yep. I think I was about to maybe deliver it, I think. Was yeah. it, was it re recently? It was like maybe a year or two ago? I think you said six years ago. Oh, six years ago. Wow. Okay. Time flies. Some people uh, touched base with me, other customers, and uh, said, oh, you were here 10 years ago. It's like, really? It felt like it just, just there yesterday, you know? So, yeah, it's it hard does. to track. It you does. Know. I had to think back to our first machines when he was three, and I couldn't remember them all. There had been a shift in the group, you know, there was a, I have a spot for three, it's perfect. And I would just sell one, put another one in and they would just move left, right and out. And um, probably the, the saddest story of a money saving tactic was the Valley Kings of Steel when I bought it. Yeah. There's no left kicker, it's just the rubber. Oh yes, yep. It's got a right kicker, but wow, what a cost savings. We can save 3,500 coils if we just make it look like there's something there, but there's nothing in there. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, that was when, when Bally and other manufacturers were going through a downtime, they had to kind of, that's why uh, Midway, yeah. Midway bought them out. Midway bought Bally. That's why they, that's why the cabinets were made of that particle board stuff. Uh, they made out of video game cabinet material, which yeah. is not, not nearly as good as regular wood. Yeah. And um, yeah, they kind of cheaped out. Even they had a, a it's called a cheap squeak soundboard instead of a uh, squawk and talk soundboard that the other game before it had to, for for uh, talking. But uh, yeah, not a bad game for if you know someone new into the hobby and that kind of thing. Not a bad little game. It's very reminiscent of, of Xenon. Has a little Xenon in it. Has a little bit of Eight Ball Deluxe in it a little bit. So uh, not a horrible game. It's it's a it's a decent game. But I had two yeah. of those. And I sold. I sold those off. Also on your YouTube channel, I think you posted this recently. I'm not sure. You did a 1986 Williams High Speed. Yes. I yeah. saw that one too. I like, like that. that yeah, that one there. I I got I got some a lot of good people commenting on that one, saying uh, 
they want one, you know, it's like, well, that was my only one I had at the time. <laughs> you know, so that got sold to a customer out in Brookline, uh, Massachusetts, um, who was really looking for one. I've had, I had that game maybe seven years, uh, kicking around him a restoration queue. So, uh, he wanted that. I, I have a restoration queue of like maybe 20, 20, 25 games and people ask me anything for sale and they'll put some money down and then I'll spend between two to eight months and get it ready for them and ship it out. So that was the one and only high speed I had, but I'll, I'll probably get another one. I get a lot of requests for that game. That Seems like it takes a lot of abuse. That's a fast player. I can see lots of things wearing out quickly in that one. The biggest thing with that is the, uh, the, the light motor, the motor at the top of the game that makes the light beacon go that wears out. Ah, yeah. I was going to say it's probably going all the time. Yep. It goes all the time because it, um, during a track mode, when it's in an arcade, it's always going off and on all the time. There's a little gearing in there and the gears kind of wear down and then it just sits there and kind of shakes around while the lights kind of, you know, on. So, uh, yeah, it has to be replaced. I think, I think Marco sells them for like uh, between 40 and 60 bucks for a motor. So sure. it's good to have one of those in my stash, at least to, you know, to have. Sure. And you start thinking about your, what you said previously, owning an arcade, you probably never get any sleep. Oh my God, let me get that. I got to shut that off. I, it's got, oh. I got a bulb out. I got a bulb out. I got to go get the bulb. <laughs> exactly. And I have, I have a friend who actually uh, owns an arcade. He actually quit his job. He quit his, um, actually, we, we just did a podcast with him recently. He quit his, his day corporate job because he's doing the arcade and the corporate job where he's so making, making good enough coin with the arcade and so, so busy with it. Uh, it was in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, just doing, I don't know, probably a, a thousand people coming through there a night at 10 bucks, 10 bucks a pop and food and drink and so forth. And then he opened up another place or he's about to in uh, near me in Worcester. Um, but yeah, what he tells me, it's like, I, I don't think I could do what he does. Cause it's like, I, I'd go, uh, I go crazy with, uh, with that. I, I, I like the, the gig I have with, um, restoring games for people and for customers and, and uh, servicing their games in their house. Well, you so. do a fantastic job. The videos are outstanding. And it's like, I wish I had the tools to do that or the space to do that or, or just the know-how to do that. So you do, you do a fantastic job. Oh, thanks. Well, it's all you guys are coming right along. You guys are on the, uh, a good learning curve with what you're doing. It's like you, I saw some of the pictures of your games they look great, you know? Yeah, they uh, they were pretty filled. That's the that's the way we got to buy them. I mean, it would be nice to just kind of go. Oh, there there's one for five thousand. There's one for three thousand. Let's just go. But so right. we just scour the Facebook Marketplace or um, Craigslist or you know some some people that you know their kids are long gone and it's you know turned into a clothes horse in the basement. So if we yeah. can get them, and most of the time they light up. Like this one's probably the one the blackout is. I've been on this the longest. The Atari didn't take this long, which amazingly that no one's around to really do those that yeah. uh, this one's taken me so long yeah it looks like a great little game uh in fact whenever i see a space riders again I'll, I'll think about it but because uh, it looks it looks great the hour looks fantastic just it, it reminds me of the um uh road runner looks similar to it the artwork yep. in that game yeah it, it plays well the flow is pretty good i mean it's not a fastball by any means but there's right. some very interesting shots and um he loves drop targets so we try to get something with drop targets if we can get our hands on it. Typically, my brother-in-law has a Middle Earth um, that he that he has, and you know he'll probably he's he's totally saying, "Hey, do you nobody wants to buy this game?" You know, because he had a whole 
collection of like eight games. And over the years, he's been selling them off to make, make a little money and that kind of thing and he's running out of room. So uh, he had some nice games too, a Stargazer power play and some other games. But he's under his two games now, a Stern Catacomb and a Middle Earth. He likes the, they love the Catacomb. They're kind of probably going to keep that, but they'll probably sell the Middle Earth at some point. He's down the Cape, Cape Cod. Is that, is that the one with the uh, ping pong ball in the back glass, the Catacomb? Yeah, well, it's not a ping pong ball. It's actually... Um, yeah, it's like a phenolic, phenolic ball, phenolic, some kind of thing like that. I forget the term. Yeah, but. something in there. It's got like a little, it pops and it drops into a slot, almost like yeah. a pickle. Yeah, yeah, it's like a little um, bagatelle back there. And uh, yeah. I, I, I own that game too. And, and um, the problem with the game is too much delay of game. Every ball, when you lose the ball, it goes up, then you do it. It should be, if I was going to redo the software on that, I think that should be like a bonus ball at the last last ball of the game you get to do that and to maybe get the high scores so you can win a free game that should be like a special yeah. thing versus every ball i have two things one i have a youtube channel myself it's called pinball planet we recorded all three of our machines downstairs three or three or four hundred hits on each one it's uh, it's very small but we um he basically shows everybody the game and uh, describes the artwork, who did this, who designed it, and then he'll play a game and we'll, we'll lay some music over that to show people how it plays, and he'll go into some of the fine-tuning, like uh, here's a picture of somebody on the back last or doing this or doing that, so he's very good at, at describing all of that, and he's an excellent player, so we put a little channel together, and it's, it's fun to kind of keep up on it, but it's nice because you have to have another machine to do, and, you know, we only have the three or four right now, so. Two, um, you should go to the Pinball Hall of Fame in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're thinking about going there soon. And they just recently got a new building. And they're, like, putting all their machines there. And I think Tim Arnold, the owner of the place, I think he said it's three times the size of the normal building in Las Vegas. True. I, I, know, I know Tim. Uh, I actually helped him in 1996. Oh, I think it's called it's called Pinball Fantasy. Pinball Fantasy. Uh, it was out in Las Vegas. Uh, Herb Silvers was doing a lot of it, um, and Tim Arnold brought his collection there. So at the, I think at the end of the show, I was talking to Tim, and he's like, hey, "Anybody have any volunteers can help us move some games back to my place, and you can come by and look at my collection." I go, "Pick me, I'll help you, dude." You know, so help them move games out of the place, and so I got behind the scenes of the show. And uh, got to see his whole, give me the whole tour of his place. Tons of old Gottliebs all like lined up in almost like an aircraft hangar building. With this, and they're all set up, you know. Um, interesting guy. And then at that point, he was starting to try to get his, um, his, his museum going. And he got funding for it. He's making good money at it. Um, but I guess because of uh, all the stuff happening this past year that, so now he's kind of, hurting for dough so he's looking for donations or looking for some kind of kickstarter or whatever to um have the money to finish his building that you were just talking about griffin and um he put a big thing out on pin side and i think people are actually contributing to it so he can actually finish up and pay the construction people and then move it all over there so he can actually you know do his thing but uh I'm, i haven't gone out and seen his uh his museum um i've just been out there like in the late 90s and hit some pinball shows and that was one of them but i haven't been out there since so i'm due to go out there again and check that out 
Have you been and to any uh, any pinball shows? Have you been to anything like uh, Allentown or? No, we we haven't. Uh, COVID kind of put a wrench in everything lately, but uh, yeah. I always wanted to go. And most of them are a pretty good hike from here. I know there's an Allentown show. It's probably the the closest one uh, to us. And you know, there's, there's it would be great to just kind of rummage around and see what's what. Those are fun. And there was a there was a pub here not too long ago. It went out of business, unfortunately. That had uh, 40, 50 games in there. You could kind of have chicken wings and. Um, wow. It just, I felt bad for the guy because like uh, hundreds of other businesses kind of went down the drain this, this year, just yep. could not make go of it. Cause there was nobody, he wasn't open. You know? so yeah, exactly. Felt, felt so bad for this guy because we loved going there and, and supporting him and supporting the hobby. And so, yeah, to, to, to answer your question, we haven't been um, in many places this year and hopefully maybe by, by fall, we can take a launch out to Vegas and see, Tim Arnold's new place and hopefully but so even previous to this past year because no one there's been no shows at all everything's been canceled but previous to this you guys didn't go to shows before this like in 18 2018 and nothing like that no okay no because I'm uh, um there's a pintastic show or there wasn't until this past year um in Sturbridge Massachusetts that I've been a part of that's running for about five years now and I've been they they tag me for being the uh, best in show director so I do all the judging on best in show to try to get um you know the best people to bring their best games and I judge them give put blue ribbons on games that would encourage all the best games to be on the floor and people would you know competition so sure. that, that was that was a good gig for a while you know but uh what you had another question Griffin you had another thing you were saying about um I interrupted you. <laughs> I forget what you were. Um, there's another place in Alameda, California called the Pacific Pinball Museum. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes, been there. That's the one I, I was telling you about with the Christmas tree lights hanging down uh, into the place. And there's, there's pictures online. You've seen the pictures of that place? When they, they had some pictures, they're really gorgeous. No, but... They do have an Art Stenholm room, the guy who did our Funland machine. Okay. I think so uh, NBC or ABC or one of the one of the local the networks picked up on it. We've been watching some videos. Uh, they did a news story about uh, the guy that started it. Just just a couple of friends and some drinks in the back, and then suddenly yeah. it became a cool place. But yeah, it looks really it looks really nice. So there's a lot of a lot of places that once we can fly, we would like to see. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Back in, back in the day in like 2004, I think it was called Lucky Juju Pinball. It, they were only open one night a week and you would pay a certain amount of money and you can stay there all night till midnight and play pinball. In and fact, at the, time, he, oh, at, at, at the time, he only had like 25, 30 machines. And once he had 50, he knew he had to do something with them. And so he opened up a museum. And you hear also the Lucky Juju, he had a, uh, a, a trailer behind the car that he put machines in there. He'd bring around to different shows, be a Lucky Juju, um, one of those uh, silver, you know, the 1950s or 60s silver things that, that you'd uh, camper. He'd use that for um, putting pinball machines in and bring them to different shows. I never knew that. Yep. Great, great way to travel. Love those trailers. They're sharp. Those yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Yep. So anything else I should know about uh, your uh, your exploits with pinball and any other uh, thoughts? Hmm. Well, I do know most of the manufacturers. Okay. Which what's what's your favorite manufacturer? Um. <laughs> I think I have four. <laughs> Gottlieb, Williams, Stern, and Bally. Okay. And here's all of them. We we uh, thought and thought and thought for like 20 minutes thinking of the manufacturers, and we got all of them, I think. So we got Williams, Bally, Gottlieb, Data East, Zach Raya, Stern, Chicago Coin, Capcom, Interflip, Resell, Playmatic, Sagasaw, and Astro Games. Astro Games. They, they're the one who only made one machine, which was called Black Sheep Squadron. Oh, yes. Black Sheep Squadron. Yep. Seen it online, but never played one. I, I, remember, the, I remember the TV show back in the day. Yeah. Uh, William Conrad. I dare you to knock this battery off my shoulder. That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yep. <Did> battle, <laughs> the network, battle the Network Stars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's play Tug of War. And these yeah, really goofy, goofy gym shorts. There you go. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. See, now you're dating yourself. <laughs> I know. Yep. Remember <laughs> that? Howard Cosell would do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. That was fun. Well, we, we uh, and, um, all pinball is good pinball. I mean, even if we see one, it's all beat up. We'll usually cry and say something like, oh, what have they done to you? <laughs> <laughs> Especially at the museum, we walk. He walks in and goes, "Oh my God, that Superman!" You know, half the lights are out. There, you know, there's circuit board issues, and he's yeah. going, what, "What? What did they do?" Right. And and when we tried to put a quarter in, it got jammed, and we pushed the start button so many times, it got jammed, and we had to get uh, security to come over and like fix it and stuff. Like the like the people who work there. And they had to like fix it and they got it unjammed and like it's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like you, Dave. It's like, oh man, what 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 kind of you know, you look at hack wiring and tape uh, and glue and like all these things, like, well, let's just get it going. All the connectors are burned because because you know. <laughs> these operators it's like, you know what, we just we just need a quarter to go through it. So we don't care anything else, just get it running enough that a quarter can go in and, and keep making money. That that's pretty much the arcade thing back in that time frame, or even today, kind of too. Yes, yes. One of the biggest thrills, and I, and I, I won't it won't be a long story. I went to college in the in the Bay Area of California, just outside San Jose in Sunnyvale is where all the Atari offices were and where they built the machines. And when I was in college, I was reading stories about how pinball died and then they were just throwing machines in giant garbage bins and hacking them up. And I had to drive by the offices. Of course, they're empty now, but it was just really strange just driving into the parking lot on Borgas Avenue and seeing the, the, the giant overhead doors where the warehouse was in the back where all of these were shipped off all over the world. And it's so cool to just have a have one that came out of that door. Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. I, I talked to uh, the arcade I grew up at, Funny Games in Framingham. I, I had years ago. I had one of the guys who actually he came over to our place at a party we had. I 
friend of a friend. And it's like, well, I know you. It's like, well, you're the guy that gave quarters to me and actually helped me, um, you know, had a stuck ball. He'd fix the thing. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, so he was the guy and he's older now. And was, the, the cool moment was, was he was here playing my games and he had a stuck ball. So times have turned. He had to come to me and say, hey, can you free the stuck ball for me? So it's kind of weird that the, uh, the learner has now become the master, so to speak. You call us anytime. We could talk all day about this. We'd love, I'd love one day, who knows, just come see your collection and uh, sure. wherever in town you can come and see ours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I might, uh, I'll, I'll show you on the game. We'll give you the, uh, the dime tour, you know, sure. fact, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be doing a, my latest video coming soon. I'm going to do a video on hot dogging. I'm going to do a video on my, uh, uh, Bobby Roy just finished up. I guess. Did you do uh, Xenon? Um, I don't think I did do Xenon yet. A YouTube video? No. But I think we did... Uh, a podcast? A podcast on it, yep. But not a YouTube vid. The reason why I wanted to do the hot dog is because I might sell this down the road. I don't know. And I'd like to get it on tape, you know, or on uh, to video it so that I have that for the potential customer down the road. I can kind of send it to them, you know. Mm. I, I, I don't want to sell it, or, but I don't know, because it's, um, it has like a nice, uh, see if I can bring this over here. It, it has a nice new old stock clear coated play field. And wow. that, this game usually beat the crap. And wow. it's all, yeah. you know. I've seen a lot of them on YouTube that are beat in the middle. Wow, that's Back sharp. This is a neat game, you know, having the inline drops there. Yeah, yeah. This flipper is kind of useless. The upper left, the upper right one there. Although you, I think right now it's showing backwards for you. Everything's reversed. Oh, there's a flipper on the kicker there. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yep. Was a uh, hot dog in uh, Bally's last wide body or his first? Well, this is 1980, so it's. I'm pretty sure it's the last one. Probably the last one. I think you're right. I think the other ones are from 79. So, yeah. Well, uh, I think uh, Space Invaders was from 82. Space Invaders was uh, 79 or 80. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's 80. This is the. Uh, Xenon. I love that Xenon. game. Welcome to Xenon. There you go. Susan Cianci, I think it was, or. Yeah, I think she was a musician, programmer, slash new age artist of some kind. Ooh, Flash Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon there. Wow, look at the reds on there. I kind of like machines that have regular colors. Touch up is much easier. Hey, that's red. I can just get red. <laughs> right. I put little red accents in there, like the red bulb over somewhere over there. Nice. I had a uh, had an Embryon once that had the little mini flipper try to save it in the out lane. Fathom. Oh, yeah. It's Fathom. I like Embry. I have that game, too. That's a fun game. And then this 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 guy here is a, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Ooh. Margaret Hudson, artist. Yeah. I have the special thing. I have uh, is the Britney edition. <laughs> the Britney Spears. Is that her? That's her, yeah. Oh, I, no I put, kidding. I put her there. <laughs> oh, you did. I'm like, what? <laughs> Was there like a second back glass? That's weird. I'm like, wait a minute. How did we miss that? <laughs> yeah, she fits. She fits well there. I'll, I'll take you. Uh, 
I'm going to take you downstairs to show you the uh, real quick. I want to show you the the um, the power play. Yeah, I did notice all your games there were all Bally's, like Bally Xenon, Bally Flash Gordon, Bally Hot Dog, and and you can and you can see the uh, the maid has not been down here in a long time. Oh, but, uh... saw a black knight there on its end. Oh yeah, that's a that's a customer game, yeah. and so I got I got basically a whole place of work in progress, but. This is the uh... somehow this one Harlem Globetrotters and the six million dollar man seems similar to me. Yeah, I, I like out of all those, I think Harlem's the best game. Yeah, but uh, this this game, it's to do the to get the clear out of the, all these inserts here, all these star rollovers. What a yeah. pain! That's well, a pain. You know, we did those on the Atari Space Riders when I cleared it. I didn't do anything. I just cleared it and just had all the mechanisms out of there. And then I took an exacto after it dried and it wasn't, they just sort of crumbled right out of there. It was actually quite easy. For me, I took a Dremel with a diamond tip to it and uh, oh, yeah. got them that way. It worked out there great. My wife just, uh, just touched up the cabinet recently. So that came out nice. There were a couple wow, of bumps and bruises. Sharp, yeah. sharp cabinet. And we do the, uh, I buff all the metal. That's yes. all very, yeah. very shiny there, you know. Yeah, we get nutty like that over here too. We don't, I don't oh, yeah. have a buffing wheel, but uh, a very fine wire wheel sometimes will do it. Okay, this is this this is my my workhorse here, my buffer. Oh <laughs> yeah, I need that. I need a buffing head. I got to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I take everything to it. I honestly think uh, Bobby Orr Power Play and Evil Knievel are very very similar. <laughs> Thank you for having us. I enjoyed the podcast. I'm glad to have you both. And uh, it's great to have uh, a young person like yourself, Griffin, so into this and into the uh, the old school pins like you are. It, it's great. It keeps the, uh, keep them alive going forward. So we need more, more people like you in this, you know. You got to carry the torch. You got to carry the torch. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, we really appreciate you having us on for sure. And um yeah, we'll keep listening and keep watching. And uh, uh, just, I like, I like the restoration just because I learn things about cupped inserts and how to fix that, how to fix that. And I will go, hey, sometimes, wow, I didn't know that I could do that. Why not try that? You know, so yeah, sometimes a little trial and error. Sometimes just a asking other people what they've done and and find best the best ways to do things because people have all done it before and they what works and what doesn't work so well. And and uh, it, it's great. It's it's always a, a learning process. So. Especially if you got, you got both of you have attention to detail, which is and some patience, and that's what it takes. You know, a little bit of know-how. Yep. So it's great. Yeah. great we couldn't have done it with uh, without people like yourself and the people on pin side have been very patient. I mean, I, I don't consider myself a newbie, but I, I do need some clearer instruction than most. Like, okay, the black lead goes here and the red lead goes here, and why is that? <laughs> you know, type right. of thing. They they've been very gracious, and we appreciate that. The community has been fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're great. Lots of good information there. Lots of good people there. Um, and it's uh, a good uh, repository of, of anything pinball. Well, it's awesome having you guys. And, and Griffin, it was great to uh, finally uh, meet and see you and, and talk, talk pinball. Yeah, and, thank you. you know, good times. All right. Well, you guys have a, have a great night and great talk with you. Yeah, you too. Mm -hmm. Dave, thanks again. Thank you. Hey, our pleasure. Take care. And have a good night. I love your channel too. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Griffin. <laughs> I'm going to check yours out some more, too. Oh, thank you. Sure.
Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So anyone out there that wants to explore getting their games worked on, getting their games restored, or buying a restored game from me, you can check out my website at pinballdoctor.com. That's pinballdoctor all spelled out. Or you can reach me at dave at pinballdoctor.com. Or you can reach me at Dr. Dave's Pinball at Gmail. And that's uh, D-R-D-A-V-E-S, pinball at Gmail.